again with another edition of Quarantine Radio. Alright, just so I'm go down a rundown of um, everything that's going on. As I told been telling giving informing you guys this weekend is the weekend of the fitness um boot camp. Um if you want advanced tickets advanced tickets are ten dollars it's for our flag football team the flag football uh, women's flag football team we're trying to get uniforms for them so it's um a fitness boot camp and also Zumba so you'll have like our personal trainer that's the head coach who will basically work you guys out for i think around like 30 minutes and then you're going to have a zumba instruction for um, 30 minutes as well oh so it's already like a schedule mm-hmm. and um and any girls that's on um, wanting to come out as well and wants to play for the flag football team as well you can um get more information there or you can hit me up at info at quarantineenterprise.com all right so um tonight on the um show we have a baltimore Native Paula Campbell on the show. Um, I have her on the phone right now. We're going to bring her in after the music break and everything. Uh, we ha- also have joining us today is um, the Nels, Swag Creator, King Cancer, what it do? and um, Troy from um, A Debate Amongst Friends. going to be joining me as co-host and everything. All right, so I'm um, going to jump into a couple of tracks right quick from um, Paula Campbell. Then we're going to bring her on the um, bring her on the line, have her introduce herself. Like um, I've been following her since um, 2009, so I'm kind of excited about this um, interview because like I really think that she's a really really dope artist, and I'm glad we could have got her on the show. I've been listening to her new joints and everything. Very very nice tracks. So I'm I'm going. I'm really looking forward to um hearing her insight on the entertainment industry, what she's got going on and everything. Uh, but first track that I'm about to play of her, like the front, the, like I said, I'm about to play actually three tracks of hers to um start off. First track that I'm about to play is a track um track um champion. This is Paula Campbell with Champion. All right. Man, I'm tired of these dudes. They think they know what I need. They think they know what I want. They don't know. I need a champion. I need someone to bring me to my knees. Cause I'm a woman that's hard to please. I'm looking for someone to work with me. If you think you got it in you, baby, hurt me. A top contender that's worrying enough. I need a main event that can hold me
I, I went back, we're back, we're back, we're back, we're back, we're back, we're back. First track that was um all well, all three tracks was by Paula Campbell. First track was Champion, second track was Denial, and third track was her latest track, um, Good Without You. Um, as I said, we have um, Paula Campbell on the um, phone. How you doing tonight, Miss Campbell? I am awesome. How are you guys? I'm doing good. Doing I'm doing great. good. Hey. Doing good. Um, why don't you um, give like a brief description of yourself for the people that don't know who you are? Five, five with brown eyes. I like five. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I am Paula Campbell. Um, Baltimore native. I was signed to Columbia. I was Neo's first artist. I'm the voice of, uh, if you remember the movie Hustle and Flow, it's hard out here for a pimp. Singer, writer, anything creative, I do all of that great stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Exciting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I remember because, like, um, I actually was introduced to you because I, I, I moved to um, Maryland with my ex back in 2009. And I remember being in the, because I worked at a shoe store in the mall. And I remember hearing that song, Denial. And I actually stopped what I was doing to listen to it. Like, it was, like, so soulful. I'm like, yo, who is this? And I had to um, go back and research it and everything. And I, I believe um, in, at that time they were playing the version with um, Neo on the second verse and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, so how, how was it um, as far as, because, like, you got um, introduced into the music industry off of um, a Baltimore Idol contest and everything. Like, did you know that... Your career was going to blow up from that um, incidence, or um, you were just taking a chance? Um, absolutely not. Well, I have been all of my life, like, I've sang. So that, that's been my job. That's what I do. So I don't know why. I just do. And even when I was, like, a young teenager, 13 years old, I used to sing. Like, I would look on the back of the credits of the CDs and... I would call like everybody after to the A and R department, and I would sing on that voicemail and leave a message like, "My name is Paula Campbell, and if you like what you heard, you can call me back." Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's your calling card. Yeah. That's a hustle right there, man. <laughs> yeah, somebody called me back once. Uh, might have been bad boy, but he really wasn't about nothing. Um, mm. but yeah, so after I did the, the Baltimore Idol, um, I did not win. I always have to give my mother Yousef because I love her, um, her pop. She, she tore that stage down. Um, and, um, so I didn't know that anything was going to come about from it. Um, I remember when I rehearsed you, I mean, not rehearsed when I auditioned, I'm sorry, Dion, who was the program director then. You only had 30 seconds to, like, wow them. Mm -hmm. So I sang Faith Evans um, right back where I started. If y'all don't know that song, then Google it. Absolutely. It's the most yeah. amazing song. <laughs> but um, I sang the interlude of it first, and then I sang the song. And they let me sing the entire song, but I was only supposed to have 30 seconds. Yeah, okay. And I really didn't hit the notes at the end, so I was irritated. <laughs> <laughs> then they let me keep going. <laughs> but I got through it. Um, I got through it. And Rod Lee, um, he was in that, uh, DJ Rod Lee uh, from Baltimore was in that um, audition and he got my information. So he contacted me after I lost the Baltimore Idol. And um, he sent me the beat for How Does It Feel? And he had written a song for it that I didn't like. And uh, he said, you know, well, do it yourself. Do something else. So I wound up writing How Does It Feel While I Was in the Shower. We, we recorded it the next day. And then that very next day, we didn't get a chance to mix it, to do anything to it. Um, I didn't get a chance to put backgrounds on it or fix my flat notes. He had it on the radio. And <laughs> from there, just, yeah, I don't even know. So um, he he liked it enough, but you used to have like critiques on it and everything. 
You say it. Say it again. Like um, um, he he really liked it to put it on the radio, but you still had critiques on it and everything that you wish um he had um kind of tweaked and stuff. Is what you were saying? Oh my God! I flipped out. I flipped all the way <laughs> out, like cussing and cussing. I was crying. I was so mad. I wanted to fight. Like I wanted him to come outside. I was not playing. Because I thought I was like, you know, people are going to think that I can't sing. And when you listen to How Does It Feel, you're like, okay, she's very me- mediocre. But, um, you know, I was like, people are, this is how they're going to remember me. And they're going to think I can't sing. And, and that's kind of like my pride that I can sing. So, um, but it worked. He knew what he was doing, mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah, that, that's that's one thing that I know, like a lot of artists, they, they, they talk about how, there are like tracks that they don't really like, but their PR or uh, manager put out there um, because they feel like this is what's going to capture people's attention. And like I- I've heard so many stories that um, artists be mad at their manager for putting certain tracks out, but it's the one track that they didn't think that was going to help them is the one that really helped them in that situation. Yeah. So I got a question. Yeah. I, I got a question for you, Paula. How how did um, growing up in in Baltimore, you know, affect you and your, your singing? Um, honestly, I grew up in probably some of like top three worst neighborhood in Baltimore City, um, if not just number one. Uh, but. Um, Everyone in my neighborhood always supported me. Like, they didn't want me to get in trouble. They didn't want me to do anything wrong. They just wanted me to sing. Like, all the corner boys used to pay me to sing. If I was getting in trouble or doing something wrong, they would tell me I was better than that. Like, you the singer, you the songbird, you supposed to get out of here. It was almost like I was the girl version of what the little boys who could play football or basketball really well. Like, I was her mm-hmm. as opposed to him so um though i grew up in really rough neighborhood and experienced a lot honestly um man i got a song called thank you and i say this is for the streets that raised me the hood that made me i really i can't complain like i'm grateful for it that's good that is that is, that is really good to hear because a lot of times you know the people people try to hold you back and they try to keep you they try, you know they try to keep you down they try to keep you from from excelling and moving forward and moving on and, and moving out of those type of situations that happened too I mean, <laughs> that happened too um you know here's the thing i think people want and they see great things for you but i think oftentimes they don't really believe that it's a possibility, you know, like mm-hmm. it'll be nice if this happens. But then when they see you exceeding and, and going even beyond those goals, then and what they thought, it's almost like, Oh, bring her back here. Or you changed and you're different. Mm-hmm. We all are. We should be different every day. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, I learned a lot trying to keep it real in the hood. Like, it's no keeping it real. Like if we together, if you with me, then you with me. And just because I earned something, if whether it is that I studied hard or I worked hard or it was simply just a talent that that belongs to me and I don't owe you anything because of it. So I think people confuse keeping it real. Like you got to go or you got to do this and do that and what everyone expects of you. But it's really about your expectations and your desires for yourself and the people around you and and how you want to allocate your time, your talent, your money and whatever else. That's true. Yeah, because everybody's journey is definitely different. Absolutely. Um, Now, I wanted to ask really quickly, sticking with Baltimore, um, when did you realize that you were going to, I guess, quote unquote, make it as a singer, um, I guess, as your profession? Crazy that you even say that, because I wouldn't put myself in the category of making it like I'm still pushing. Um, You know, I always say, like, God allowed me to see a glimpse of what. I've always wanted in my dreams and I'm grateful and I'll forever be grateful for that. 
But when it comes to changing the lives of my family and building generational wealth, giving back to my community, you know, like I, like I'm a buy block. It's gonna be Paula Campbell way. Um, my my great grandmother always wanted a purple limousine with a driver. She was so like, okay. So, um, <laughs> so uh, and she's still alive. So you know, hopefully, I still have time. But. Um, you know, it's it's really about what does making it consist of for you. I feel like if I haven't impacted my community, if I haven't come, if I haven't impacted my family and the people that I love and I believe in to to the extent that I believe I should have, then I really can't feel like I made it. I could definitely understand that. Uh, what do you remember the first song you sung when you were a kid that that made you really love singing? Honestly, I was about four years old. I always loved singing. I mm-hmm. so I don't remember when, but my mom never really gave me a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And I remember one morning she was playing when doves cry. I wasn't even oh, in school. No. <laughs> literally, I was I was four years old. And that those like ad libs that Prince does at the end, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I started. I was doing that at four, and my mom looked at me and she's like, "Oh my God, you sound just like him." And Prince is like the ultimate. I was like, "Oh my God, I sound like Prince," <laughs> and she likes me. And, <laughs> and and like every note I sang, I was probably trying to impress my mother with. Oh wow! It sounds like you're still trying to do that today. Always, I always want my mommy to be impressed. Like it makes me. She just I posted a picture the other day on my Facebook, and she said I look sexy. I thought it was oh. so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you talk to your mom and be like, "My baby looks sexy." That's crazy. I believe she said it. I was like, "Sexy, mom." She probably okay. said it like, "I made that. Uh, I made that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and, and and that was gonna be my question, and kind of bleeding into uh, what Troy just asked was. You know, where your roots in singing, you know, was it, um, you know, because a lot of singers will say, you know, I started off in a church singing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people say they started off in the school choir. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you said that, you know, you were at home when you first heard Prince. But where I, I guess my question would be where um, what or where or what, you know, really pushed you into singing for and, and helped you flourish in singing as a young as a young child. Honestly, it was that. Like, my dad, um, I don't remember my mom and my dad ever being together, but um, I, my great-grandmother used to, when I was four, literally used to say, like, I want her to go on Star Search. I want her to go on Star Search. And if y'all don't know what Star Search is, it was kind of like the <laughs> Apollo before the Apollo, I guess. I don't know, somewhere in that. Um, but um, my mom would say, like, I don't think she's good enough. So I just like, I'm like, yes, I am. Like everybody else. So I don't know. Or let me say this. It, it is a God-given gift. I think we, like we feel cocky when we say that. But every time I've opened my mouth since I can remember to sing anything, I've always been complimented on it. And people would tell me I could do something great with it. I just don't remember wanting to do anything else. Um, I really wasn't brought up in a church, though I did attend church. Um, every now and again with my aunt Celeste. So um, there was this lady that used to sing, let me show you how to move a mountain. I used to want to sound like her. But then my grandmother in the house would listen to Tina Turner and Nita Baker, and I wanted to sound like them. Um, my mom's boyfriend at the time listened to Prince, and he was my favorite. So I, I will forever be a diehard Prince fan. Um, but my mom listened to, like, Barbie Streisand and, and, and Journey. So it was kind of like I just had a mix of everything, and I just I wanted to sing. Like, and I, and the great thing is everybody sounds so different. Yeah. I was comfortable just sounding like me. It can only be one you. All right, you sound so yeah. passionate in songs. So is that um, kind of like um, why your songs are so deep and passionate? Because you're, you're so passionate in your upbringing. You know what? I never thought about it, but now that you asked that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably. Like I'm just, I'm like, I'm an 
extremely passionate person. Either it is or it isn't. It's black or it's white. I don't understand the gray area of anything. Um, I'm always asking a question. There's always an explanation or it's the truth or it's a lie. So I'm, I'm pretty passionate about everything from the people around me to the jobs that I do to my music to anything. I might be a little crazy. Crazy. I think everybody's a little crazy. I was going to say, yeah, as an artist, I mean, yeah. sometimes you even question yourself, you might seem like, yeah, I might be, that might be a little crazy. Man. Yeah, I think everybody's a little crazy. It's just, it's, I think it's in everybody, honestly. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, clearly I got some. Thank you for bringing it out. <laughs> My question I wanted to know, like, how did you get involved or start? Um, you said you were the artist assigned to Neo. How did that come about? Um, the crazy thing is they were trying to sign me when How Does It Feel first came out. And the, the people that I was signed to never told me or anything. So it wasn't until I fired my management and I was looking for new management, I was still signed to Columbia, or I had been signed to Columbia at that point, and I was still signed, I was looking for new management, and I reached out to Tango, who is still Neo's manager. And that was one of the people that I sat down with, and they told me the story, and, and um, Skeet came in and was like, yeah. And they were like, yo, it's like your protege. And he was like, nah, she's way darker and deeper than that. <laughs> but he got me. And I like, it was it was great. Like, honestly, he, it just kind of came about. It was a meeting. He understood me before I even knew him. So, you know, it was just, it was great. Um, how did you take that in? Did that come like all suddenly and or was it like a, I don't know, like a process? So you had time to process it, you know what I mean? Like how did No, you I didn't. I honestly, like we decided, okay, so we'll sign her to compound, initially compound management because um, I was still signed to Columbia at the time. And literally within, I guess, three weeks, I was on a tour for a little over three months. And I had my own tour bus with my own room in the back and my own bathroom with 12 bunks. Nobody else on my, my bus. So Neo had his bus, and that was like the party bus. But then I was kind of like vegan. I don't drink still. I don't smoke. So it was kind of like you can go to Paula bus if you want to chill out. But nobody wanted to really come over there because I wasn't doing it was like, we had the fun bus, and production had the fun bus, and it was like, okay, when you get tired of everybody, you want to just come sit on the bus with Paula and her driver, Mr. Lester, <laughs> it's available. <laughs> and um, so it really, it, it, it hit me quickly, and because I didn't really have anyone that I knew, um, and then the person that I fired was someone that I trusted um and, and probably was the closest person to me, and I found out that I couldn't trust them. It was um, it was it was honestly hard for me because I felt like I was pulling and I was taking away from something that was great already, and I wasn't adding, and I didn't quite understand how I could. So, so how did the whole experience with signing to uh, Neo being his artist, going on tour, how did that shape, you know, shape your career from that point on? Oh, man. I mean, honestly, when you are first, like, getting any type of notoriety, people will fill your head, the labels will sell you the illusion, like, everybody's giving you stuff you think you balling and you don't realize like, yeah, I got a couple of dollars sitting, but I'm not spending anything because I'm just receiving. And the second I stop getting everything, I got to spend this money and I don't have anything else coming in. So, um, being like signing to Neo taught me a whole different lesson. It taught me how to invest. He taught me what humility was. Um, he taught me that, you know, this, business waits for nobody when I was going to studio with him and I, as soon as I would like pull out my pad my notebook and my uh, pen out of my book bag he would be in the booth recording like I'm not waiting for you get on to this but I mean the same way he treats 
the person laying in the gutter is the same way he treats the CEO. And he just taught me how to be human and how equal everyone else was or is. Like it was it was the most amazing experience that I've probably ever had, to be honest. Okay. Outside of childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I was going to say, I mean, uh, you know, if you really want to go into that, I didn't know if that's something you wanted to share. But... <laughs> yeah, no, we can hold off. Right, that's why I want, I really want to know more about these illusions that they're selling um, at the record companies. I know, I know there are a lot of uh, people out here listening who are also looking to go into the music business, mm-hmm. and they probably get approached by different people uh, what are some of the things that you've heard that you know young artists probably should ignore, and what is or what are some of the things they should probably listen to? Like, what are some of the tips you would give to someone seeking a record deal? Honestly, at this point, with social media and things like that, it's really like it's it, it's difficult to say because there is no set format to it. Um. What I will say is just be aware of people that tell you how they're going to create or make you an overnight success and they can do whatever. Like, give them a moment to to produce what they say. Um, if you want management or you're looking to sign to a label, you really don't need to sign any paperwork unless someone is producing something for you because at the end of the day, you know, you can have a be a signed artist, but you're still nothing more than a singer. What do I mean by nothing more than a singer? Well, you sing. You know, you don't have any music out. You're not touring. You're not gigging. You're not um, maybe recording in the studio. You're not an independent artist. You're a singer, just like people who can sing. And what are you going to do to create um, your, your artistry? What you do to create your artistry and make yourself an artist um, it's really up to you and don't leave that in anyone else's hands. Fantastic. So, so what were, um, this might get a little sad. What were some of the, the, the harder things that you had to deal with upon, you know, entering into the music business? Um, I mean, starting from the very beginning up to being signed, even up till now. Um, I would say, Having it all and losing it all, like losing it all to the point where, like, I couldn't even get a bank account at one point. Like, people were screaming my name, and I was on the side of buses and billboards, and I didn't even have a bank account. I was driving an Audi A8, and I didn't even have a bank account. Um, I think... Um, and, and I guess that's why, like, when I talk about the illusion of it all, like, you will sell yourself because people will tell you how great and how awesome and, and how you're better than this person and how you're much bigger and how they can make you so much money. And you listen because you want to believe as an artist, like, we're creatives and we live in our heads. Everything is, is from the imagination, even when it's a real story, like, we create, it's, it's a color, um, and I think the most hurtful thing was losing everything and knowing that I could count my friends on one finger. Mm. Oh, wow. And when I had it all, I mean, my phone never stopped ringing. My, like, I had everything. When, when I lost everything, when I had nothing left, I could count my friends on one finger. A lot of people will be offended by that, but I have one best friend. Her name is Anika. I could count my friend on one finger. Shout out to Anika. Yes, shout out to her. Cause, and, and, the sad, and the sad thing about that is, is when you know, I mean, when you get into those situations, you know, like, who you can really depend on. Mm-hmm. You know, the person that's holding, holding you down, the person that's still there for you, the person that's, you know, with you down in the dirt. You know, and the bad thing about it is 
that you know you think like you like you say you think you have all this support from all these people and then you find out that you don't i guess that's part of the illusion right yeah, and I gotta say, my cousin Tracy, I can't leave her out because you know it's kind of like when when you're going through that stuff, it's not just about being there for you. It's about being able to cry on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's about someone keeping the secret. It's about um, them providing whatever it is that you need, whether it's food, whether it's shelter, or whatever. Um, like you, I mean. It was very few people there, so now when things change and, you know, it's on the up and up and, and I look at things differently, I don't even respond. Like, I used to feel like, you know, I need to respond to everyone because they're going to think I'm changing or they're going to think I think I'm all that. Well, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a part of making it. <laughs> it's not even that making it. Like if I if I never made it doing music, like I love other things. Sure. Like I, yeah. I paint and I write and I sing and I produce and like I do a billion and one things and the people that's around me love me. Like I give back to other people. It, I do more than just music. And um I think you know, when it gets to a point where, oh, well, when she was low, well, when I was low, you weren't there. Mm-hmm. Did you answer your phone? No. So with these, you know, past few years and everything just being a lot better and a lot greater for me, um, financially anyway, I would say that, um, you know, I don't even, if it's something that I don't want to deal with, I just don't respond. I don't have to say yes or no if you think I'm acting funny. If we was friends in high school and I haven't spoken to you in umpteen years, sir, ma'am, like I'm not (laughs) mad. I don't have an issue with you, but I'm so busy. I really don't have the extra time. Mm -hmm. Like literally, while I'm talking to you right now, I'm on my computer. I'm Still working, and I'll probably be working until eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock tonight, and get up tomorrow and do something else that is work-related in the morning. And I probably won't finish again until eleven, twelve o'clock at night because I'm always doing something to better myself. That's, that's how you gotta do it. So um, I had a question tied into um, uh, what you just said. Like, so what what do you think exactly happened? where you would say that you had a downfall? Like, was it something that happened with management or fallout with the record label or anything? No, I have to shout out to KP. If y'all don't follow him on Instagram or whatever, like, matter of fact, if y'all start to say, Paula Campbell said, you the man. Um, <laughs> Kawan Frey, he was the first, he was, he was the first person to sign T.I., um, he's done everything from John Legend to Kendrick Lamar, he signed me to Columbia, and KP instilled so many jewels in me. And when I first started going off the rocker and buying BMWs and Audis, he was like, man, I wasn't ready for you to do that just yet. Like, why didn't you tell me that you were about to do that? And um, and that's my brother even today. So it wasn't the label. It was the people that was supposed to be my management team and surrounding me, and I didn't know the business. They were just taking from me, like, not stealing big things, but stealing and taking enough or cutting crazy deals where I was really getting next to nothing. So um, when KP resigned or, you know, he was kind of forced to resign, I was the only artist that he had signed that they left on the label that they kept. Um, but my new A&R wouldn't respond to me. Um, my stipend that I was getting every month didn't happen. He wouldn't pay for my studio time. So again, in one day, things can change. Um, I was a stick model for um, BB, and they all of a sudden, like one day, just cut that off. So all of the regular checks that I was getting in just stopped. And then I'm spending my money to produce my music and do what I need to do, not even realizing that okay, you don't have anything else coming in. Mm. And then at that point, I had between my little cousins and my nieces and nephews who I adore and love, it was about 26 of them. So Christmases and birthdays and all of that, and I never let them go without 
So I'm just doing everything that I can. And eventually, you run yourself broke thinking, oh, another deal is going to come. Another this is going to come. I'm going to at least get this. And then it never happens. And you listen to the voices of, oh, I can make this happen for you. Oh, you could do this. I can get you here. Oh, all you got to do is go to L.A. and I'm going to get you this. And, you know, like most young, um, ignorant artists, I fell for the okie doke and I learned a hard lesson. Mm. Do do you um think like um it's it's easier for artists to get more information nowadays versus um back then? Cause like I, I noticed like a different in change, especially like it seemed like more artists that went through that back in the days are kind of like trying harder to spit um jewels and everything to younger artists or artists that's coming in the game. Um, do you think it's because um, like now with like the streaming services, it's easier to stay independent and um, just do everything on your own and just get more of that money back that you invest in? Do you feel like now it's kind of easier for artists or is it still that kind of the like, same? As far as information, it's definitely easier for artists to get information. Um, you definitely hear about more success stories because here's the thing, the labels really don't have money like that to give you. So if you're not doing a million or whatever, you're not popping off on a reality show or something to that or any type of show, because um, I love Cardi B. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, you're not popping, then you're not going to really get that bag that that way so you can get information and definitely you can make money putting out your own project and um you, if you have a team and you you have your own money to kind of put behind it and the know-how then it's definitely a strong possibility that you will have some success um and it's really dependent or contingent upon how hard you're trying to go for yourself and the team that you have around you you can't be a one-man army Okay, yeah, I, I can understand that. Um, as far as the project that you got going, um, you're working on now, is that um, independent or are you still with a label? No, that's independent. My label is Camp Brotherwood, so I'm putting that project out on Camp Brotherwood. Okay, is there like a um, date that you um, you got set or is all the tracks, or are you still working on it? Honestly, I was looking to put it out the end of uh, March, but I didn't solidify an exact date. I don't know if um, I have enough steam or the theme that I want to have behind it. So I'm giving myself a few more weeks, but as far as completed, it's completed. Um, but, you know, until you sign, seal, and deliver it, it is what it is. Like, there's no guarantee that it's going to come out that date. So, the end of March, tentatively. Okay. And what can we actually expect from this um, project from you? Like, um, is it kind of like um, personal life story tracks or a mixture? Um, it is a mixture. I mean, it's just honest. It's, it's big record. So, when I started this project... Um, what I said was every time I've done a project with um, any label, whether it be independent or just any producers that, and I didn't have it myself, put it out myself, um, I did what somebody else wanted. So when I think of big albums, I think of The Bodyguard. I think of um, Mariah Carey's uh, Butterfly album or what was her first album? Um, with uh, Vision of Love on it. Like, I think of huge Beyonce's first album as Beyonce, like, big records, big songs, movie soundtracks, even. Mm -hmm. um, so, this album is full of huge freaking records that, you know, it's, it's not what you hear on radio. It's not just chill, just vibing. It's like I'm singing my ass off. Yeah, because, like, even with, like, the uh, first single, Without You, like, I, I can hear a lot of passion in that. So I was wondering, like, if that, was that, like, a personal track, like, something that you had went through? Um, and, like, were you the writer of it? And, like, what what were you going through when you started writing, if you were the writer? I wrote it with Kendrick Dean, um, and Kendrick Dean and D-Blitz uh, produced it. And I have to, to 
phase, like Kendrick vocal produced me to the max. Like I hated him after that session. <laughs> um, so every little thing, every little detail you hear, that was for the most part Kendrick Dean. Um, and so I don't know if he felt my spirit because he already had the. Um, he was like, Pete, come in. I want you to record something. So, like, he had that, and he had the bridge, and gave all I had, and we just kind of started vibing. So it was something that I was definitely going through, but he had no idea. So mm. divine order, I guess. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. So what would you say, because like, I know that um, you had a track that you worked on, because like, Neo's one of my favorite um, writers and everything. Like, What was the difference from working with um, him as a writer versus, because um, you said this guy actually brought out a lot out of you with, with that track. Mm -hmm. What was the um, difference between um, that? Or was it just growth as far as maturity as aging, as an artist? No. I will, well, Neo is a writer. He's never vocal produced me. Uh, um, so, yeah, Sauce even vocal produces Neo. So when you hear that Sauce, his name is Sauce, and he's absolutely my favorite vocal producer of all time ever. And um, so Kendrick is awesome as well. Um, I think with both of them, they like to color things in a different way. Um, and when I say color, I mean, like, they like harmonies, like, Sauce likes a lot more, like, light, kind of, like, smooth, airy kind of sound. And Kendrick wants everything to feel like pain and passion. Okay. So it's just the different ways that they vocal produce. Okay. And um, do you have, like, any, like, set um, tours or performances? Honestly, I don't. Right now, we're working radio um, with Good Without You, so it's, it's growing slowly, and when you work it the way that we're working it, um, it's destined to take some time, more than likely, um, but uh, we're working it. I haven't set any dates to really go on tour yet, because I would like to release the second single, and um, I know you'll be like, "What are you waiting for?" People always ask that. I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting for when I think it's like the right time. So that's pretty much it. But we just, uh, I just let um, the videographer release the video on um, online or whatever. So I didn't even say that it was being released. I'll just let it do a slow roll and kind of go from there. Well, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with, like, a slow promotion because, like, mm -hmm. I remember where um, Fetty Wap, he, he worked that one single for a year. Because, mm -hmm. like, I remember, like, um, one of one of um, his promo people, like, they sent me his track, like, in the beginning. And, like, I, I, till this day, like, I, I talk about, like, I, I didn't like it when I first heard it. And then, like, a year later, I heard it on the radio. I was like, I heard that track before. I just don't know where. And then I went back in my folder and saw it. And I was like, oh, dang. Like, I could have had, had that guy funny. on my show and everything. But I, I, I didn't like the track when I first heard it. And then, like, it just jumped off. Yeah. So, like, when artists stay consistent with a single, sometimes it, it's, it's a good thing. Absolutely. Right. I wanted to know, so I had a question. I wanted to know, um, how long have you had your own record label? And also, like, like was it hard or how was the process for you? Uh, no, I mean, it's just like getting a small business. So um, I've had it since 2009. It's Camp Rebelwood. Uh, it's a combination of me and my daughter's last name and some a few stories from the Bible made me come up with the name. Um but, uh, no, you go down to, what is it, the, the whatever building it's called, I can't remember it. <laughs> but uh, you, get, you get to LLC, you incorporate your business, and um, 
They give you your EIN number, mm-hmm. and you can start working from there, just like any other business. You just have to make sure you put your business on it. And um, as far as your taxes are concerned, you have what you need. But it's, it's a business. It's almost like you bought a baby. Mm-hmm. Like the EIN is a social security number, and, um, you know, you can do whatever you need to do with it, claim taxes. You might lose some. You might mm-hmm. win some. But that's pretty much it. Do you have um, any artists um, signed right now? No. Oh, my God. Artists ask me all the time about it, and I know that I don't have the time. I know that I don't have the finances to put into someone else, and I wouldn't want to have someone sitting or take their career and their dream for granted because I know exactly how it feels. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So... So you said um, it's tied in with you and your daughter. So is your is your daughter looking to follow you in in the career of uh, singing, or is she going to move somewhere else? She sings, but my daughter doesn't know what she wants to do. She's like she'll be a singer, a dancer, a preacher, uh, a stylist. She's she's like I knew before I knew I knew, and. She she's not bad. Like she's just like yeah, I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> so now I wanted to go back because I think I heard something earlier when you were talking about your tour bus. You said uh, you didn't drink, you didn't smoke, and did I hear you say that you were vegan? At that time, yeah. Okay, at that time, so you're no longer vegan. Nope. Okay, just want to make sure I circle back around because I did. I, <laughs> I heard that. I want to know what happened. Yeah. Oh, honestly, uh, I had really, really low iron, uh, and they wanted to give me a blood transfusion on three different occasions. And so, even though I was trying to eat like my beans and everything, and I, I really don't love meat like that, right. so it's really not hard for me to be a vegan. Like I, that I love vegetables and potatoes, all that. Mm. Um. So um, just what I like to eat in general, it doesn't really affect me. But as far as my health, it just wasn't good for me because I wasn't getting the nutrients that I needed regularly. And that's honestly it. Gotcha. Yeah, I just wanted to circle back because I heard, no, I heard that. And I was like, well, we're not going to skip past this vegan wave. Because, <laughs> you know, I feel like now everybody is kind of on a, a, a vegetarian, a vegan. I know myself, I'm pescatarian. Uh, so I, I wanted to just circle back around. But. I could definitely understand putting your health first. Yeah. I guess I've been eating cows so long. (laughs) So my last question, absolutely. My last question was that if you weren't singing, did you ever consider any other career paths? A housewife? I better pop out some babies for (laughs) you. No, I'm kidding. Um, Ain't nothing wrong with that, though. I'm serious. I'm serious. serious. Um, No, I really just wanted to, all my life, I had to fight. I just wanted to be a, um, all my life, I just wanted to sing and honestly be a mother and a wife. That's it. Like, that's. That's what makes me happy. That sounds fantastic. So I wanted, I wanted to, I also want to circle back to, um, back to when you were uh, a child. And um, outside of Prince, did you have any other role models that you looked up to within the business that you were just like one day, you know, I want to hit the stage with them? Uh, I mean, nobody I can now because they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Prince, Michael Jackson, of course, and Whitney Houston. Um, and I used to love, like, my mom loved Tina Marie, so I always wanted to just, like, sing with Tina Marie because my mom loved it so much. So, I mean, honestly, oh, well, let me not say that. I, lo- I still love Stevie. Mm. So, if, yeah. so if, I still love Stevie. So, right, right now, out of, you know, all the, the artists that, that are out there today, um, I mean, who, besides Stevie Wonder now that she said him, um, who who would you love to, to do a track with? Well, let me say this. When I say that, I'm talking about, like, my early mm-hmm. child years. Like, But when I think about artists that I still would love to sing with, you know, like, when I was a teenager, Faith was popping. So, of course, I would love to hit the stage with um, 
Faith Evans, like, oh, my God, I love her dearly. Um, but that's probably the only person in my genre and generation um, outside of, like, Usher. Um, I don't know if I want to hit the stage with Beyonce because <laughs> I'm just like, bitch. Biggest on this too much. I ain't got. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, yeah, yeah, definitely being shaped to be on there. I'm Beyonce, right? Like I would watch, girl. I'm not really trying to keep up, but um, yeah, like I would love to be on stage with Brandy. Mm-hmm. Um, who are some girls? Oh my God, Jasmine Sullivan, mm-hmm. and I would just, you know, like I would do back up to Jasmine just because she's so amazing. I don't even know if I could just even oh my gosh I love her voice <laughs> um who else I mean there's so many artists that I think that are great I love her I would love to do like a set with her I think she's really really dope mm-hmm. I love SZA um I think LMA is dope um yeah I mean there's so many people when I think about singers but like oh my and Chris Brown of course like I mm-hmm. think Breezy is amazing Mm-hmm. But I would love to hit the stage with like a Kendrick Lamar. That'd be good. Um, so who's an artist that you're listening to right now? What artists are you listening to right now? <laughs> right now it's silent. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, uh, I listen I listen to her. I listen to her a lot. I like her a lot. I listen to her. I try to listen to artists that I know I'm not going to try to like steal steal their vibe mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. 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 So I listen to her. I listen to LMA. Um, I listen to a lot of um, hip hop, uh, and I listen to Beyonce a lot. Yeah, well, that is true. Like how sometimes things can influence mm-hmm. your own creativity. I dig that. Um, this might be a little off topic, yeah. but I wanted to know, like, um, you're being from Baltimore. Are you still in Baltimore? And if so, like, where's somewhere you like to eat at? Like, your favorite spot yeah. in Baltimore to eat at? Oh, my God. I haven't been in Baltimore in five years. Oh, okay. But, well, I haven't lived it. So, like, when I come, it's a quick visit and out. Um, but I love T-Ball. Like, when I, before I moved to Atlanta... Like, I used to live there. I wrote a book. I wrote a movie. And, like, that was, like, my favorite spot with my favorite little small plate. Um, I love, love, love T-Balls and Miss Shirley. Mm. And what is that, like, soul food and hoagies or something? Yeah, it's, like, breakfast. It's breakfast. And uh, Miss Shirley definitely, like, soul food breakfast. Mm -hmm. T-Balls is, like, a uh, small place, but the ambiance is like really, really chill, and you get what you need. Other than that, it's like franchise. Like if you ask me, what's my favorite place to eat at? I'm gonna say Capital Grill, and <laughs> it's like okay, well, <laughs> well, but I think like um, Baltimore. I love T Balls. I love Miss Shirley. Like that whole Harbor East um, does it for me. So I heard you say you're in Atlanta now. How is um, being from Baltimore and moving to Atlanta, how is that for you? Like, is it the adjustment? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It's cool. It's cool. Um, I don't love Atlanta. But I don't want to come back to Baltimore. Like people be like, "Oh, I love Atlanta." Well, it's no water here. No. I'm used to seeing a harbor, a lake, a Chesapeake, or something. Right. Um, and um, what I do love about my city, like I love, love, love about Baltimore. We are so like people think that is whack that we're disconnected from everything. Like we don't give a goddamn about <laughs> like I don't care what you doing, how you doing it, what you. And and my people, like Baltimoreans, are very much like that. Atlanta is super duper clickish. Mm. Like, oh my god, it's so clickish. Like, it's such like the high school mean girl mentality in so many different areas. Um, so um, because I'm a weirdo, <laughs> I don't really, I, I don't really fit in. So unless people they might know my name from something and be like, oh, yeah, and then I was like, oh, that's Paula Campbell, or they saw me somewhere and be like, oh, that's Paula Campbell, but if you don't know me, like, you don't know me, and I'm not trying to fit in. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, like, just be an outcast, but, you know, like, I'm going to stand out because I'm definitely not interested in trying to fit in. 
I think that's cool. It's it's kind of crazy because like um when uh, me and my ex didn't work out and I moved from Baltimore, I did move to Atlanta and basically like everything that you said that that's exactly how I felt and like even though like I would always go out to network and everything like I would be like with this one crew and like they would always introduce me to everybody but like this is um this Il McKenzie the plug he has a show called Quarantine Radio and everything so they would introduce me to everybody and everything and I but I didn't really like to talk talk to everybody but yeah I know exactly what you're saying about Atlanta and everything yeah, it's, it's quick, but it's not, here's the thing, like, it's great to be around black people mm, who are yeah. educated, have their own, who are working hard, um, who are buying black, who are tithing into their community, building it up, who are trying to, trying to stop the education and, and build up our communities ourselves, um, and really educate our people, like that, man, <laughs> I don't know another place doing it like Atlanta. That you got to give to the ACL. Um, how, how long do we um have you for? Uh, well, you guys are supposed to have me for an hour, but I'm here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, uh, we we're about to go into trending topics after the um the music break, and I want to know if you want to stay on and um, discuss trending topics and everything if you want to. Um, how long are we going to be on discussing trending topics? It, it'll, it'll be an hour, but like, um, if you have to go, um, I was just going to let you get, be able to give out your social medias and stuff like that. Yeah. And I just wanted to let you okay. um, see exactly if you want to stay on or not. Yeah. I'll do that because I'm not going to be able to stay for another hour. Oh, okay. All right. Could you give out all your social medias, how people can get in t- contact with you, stay in contact, see exactly when you're going to be dropping projects. Absolutely. So I usually do Instagram. I'm not really like um, active on a lot of other social media. So my Instagram is Paula Campbell. Just Paula Campbell, no, no <laughs> underscore. Um, Twitter is the same thing. And then I am Paula Campbell is my Facebook. I don't know any of my other social sites. <laughs> so. All right. And I, I do appreciate you coming on and everything. Like I said, I, I, I've been a fan for a minute. Like I said, like I, I got captivated just like in 2009 when I heard that denial and I started listening to your music and everything. And like, I, I was happy to see that you had some new music out and everything. That's why I was like, I got to reach out to her to see if I can get her on the show and everything. Let me add, I'm really digging that last year. You're welcome, you're welcome. I'm sorry, I what you say. Oh, I said I was really digging the last track. I'm adding that to my playlist. Oh, thank you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking out some more of your music as well myself. Yeah, I'm looking forward I, to it. I was enjoying everything that I was hearing. So. Yeah. It's so funny. I appreciate it, guys. I Absolutely. Do. It's so funny because when he played Denial, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, I've, I've heard that before. And somebody's rotation, I didn't know if it was my wife's rotation or somebody's rotation, it was definitely in there. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to your future work. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Um, so we're about to um, go into some um, music. And like I said, I do appreciate Paula uh, coming on the show. Um, if you if you stay um, after the music break, we'll, we'll discuss. And if you have to go, uh, like I said, I do appreciate you coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you and chopping it up with you and everything. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Baltimore. So, all right. Y'all have a great one. <laughs> you too. Yeah. Right, bye-bye. 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 So that was um, Paula Campbell. Like I said, um, follow her on um, Instagram. She's the one that she mainly uh, be on. So we're about to go into a music break right quick. And then when we come back, we're going to chop it up, talk about a couple of stuff that's been going on. We might touch on the, even though we touch on it Tuesday, we might touch on it. On again with the justice situation, but this there's, there's, there's some more information that came more out. Information. Let's like, go. It seems like every day there's more information. And another thing that came out. Another thing that came out, and I, I asked people this. I asked people this, like um, <laughs> they're about to um do a Michael Jackson documentary, and I was like, 
Are people going to keep that same energy? No, because I love me so much. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going we're going we're going to touch it. We're going to touch on that. We're going to touch on that. Really but uh, first track that, that I'm about to play really is um Suzanne Christine with Fallen Tears. This is Suzanne Christine with Fallen Tears. All right. <laughs> 